and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 80. This week my lovely guest is Karen de Bonnet and she'll be talking about her new book um, which is a memoir called Growth, A Mother, Her Son and the Brain Tumour They Survived. And uh, you know, it's, it's pretty thought-provoking stuff so stick around and um, hear what um, Karen has got to say about writing her memoir and and indeed writing things that are really close to your heart. Okay, so at my desk this week, well, at my desk this week, I'm kind of in the last throes of um, getting my book ready to publish. Um, so I'm, you know, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that I'm writing the or finishing off the second book in my Midwich trilogy, um, which is called cleverly titled Midwich 2 so you know no no big guesses there as to which which um whereabouts this book comes in the trilogy um but anyway it's just about there and I did in fact manage yesterday to get it loaded up onto the KDP platform and order the proof copies now proof copies are a bit of a bit of a thing now some people don't bother to do this but I'm always a bit scared to put anything out there so I'd generally load it up onto the KDP platform which pretty much takes an afternoon actually I can't believe it takes forever by the time you've filled around putting in categories and keywords and humming and hawing about things but anyway in it went so that was fine um and what I generally do is get everything loaded up and in and then save it as a draft and then at that point you can in fact order the proof copy so it's not live yet but it's kind of waiting to go now i think it's always good to have the actual paperback in your hand and to you know have a good look at it and you can you know check the covers exactly as you hoped it would look and that everything's all sitting properly you know within the pages and although you can you know you can go over and look at the documents you know in these proof copy you know, proof finder things. I, I don't think you can get a real impression of what that book really looks like until you hold the actual real thing in your hand. So although it's going to put you back a couple of weeks in the process, and I think everybody like myself, when you get to this point that, you know, it's ready to go, it's finished, it's out there really. But but I think you've just got to make these last few checks to just make sure it's as good as it good as it can be so that's what I'm doing I'm waiting for the proof copies um now unfortunately I have to say I don't think I've ever had a first proof copy back and been happy with it so I'm, I'm entirely expecting that the proof copy is going to come back and there'll be some funny little thing that I think mm, I don't know whether that needs changing or, or never mind about I don't know, but I will be changing it. I'm not happy. So I, I'm imagining that, you know, this is the first proof copy that I'm asking for. Uh, when it comes back, I'm entirely expecting to um, do this two or three more times. So, you know, such is the indie author life. So, you know, it, take, it takes a long time because you're waiting for somebody else at this point. That's that's the trouble. Everything else normally in the indie author life, you're just doing your own thing apart from the editing process. Um, and everything else is, is just down to you so you can just get on with it whenever you want. So I, I think that's what I find slightly frustrating about it because you're, you know, you're having to rely on the KDP sending you back this um, proof copy. But anyway, it'll get here when it gets here. There's no good worry about it. There's plenty of things to be getting on with in between then and now. And I've got lots of jobs that I'm going to get on with 
probably this afternoon actually. So one of the other things I'll be doing is I'll be making my A plus content for this second book and I'll be making the cover for the audio book as well because I will hopefully begin this week um, uh, to begin to record the audio books because I think I talked about my daughter was home. She set up my, my studio and gave me the advice, don't touch it. So I've got my makeshift studio upstairs kind of waiting to get on with it. So, you know, as I wait for these proof copies, you know, there's always something to do with the indie author life you, that you're never still with it. So, yeah. So good. Anyway, so I've got a big list here in front of me on my whiteboard in the in the office. And, uh, you know, I, I should be getting on with some of these other jobs and thinking about advertising and all that kind of thing as well. OK, right. Well, that's enough of me prattling on. Come and have a listen to Karen. She's a lovely woman and I know you're going to be really interested to hear what she's got to say. This week on the Words and Pictures podcast, my guest is Karen DeBonnet. Uh, she's an award-winning author, quite a recently award-winning author, uh, having followed her um, social media. And uh, her book is called Growth, A Mother, Her Son and the Brain Tumour They Survived. Now, I'm quite interested to talk to Karen about this, which is why I kind of flagged you down on social media. We've had a bit of a trouble, the pair of us actually getting together. Life rather got in the way and technology had a bit of a flip as well. But anyway, we're here now, which is great because um, a dear friend of mine, her son had, her daughter had a brain tumour and uh, she actually writes romance. But I know she was, she tried to write a book about this thing, but actually found it too traumatic at this point in her time in order to you know bring that out into the world um so there's so much I want to ask you and also my sister had you know a lot of trouble from what you know what I've looked at your stuff you know it, it's about um I mean I hardly know where to begin with it really because uh -huh. uh, my sister's son who's a grown-up man now and is very well uh was very poorly as a baby and he turned out he had celiac disease and she had a lot of trouble convincing the doctors that she wasn't a completely neurotic mother that she was yeah. that there was something wrong with her boy and mm -hmm. when people finally looked up and took notice mm -hmm. then you know we got a diagnosis and and everything was well, not fine but you know we could move on and sort it out um mm -hmm. so let's start on the happier note okay before we get into the yeah. real nitty-gritty of this so tell me what your award was karen and um uh, what was all that about and how exciting thank you uh well there were a few different ones and an author has a, a choice. Most of these awards are pay to play. And, you know, I yeah. as, a, as a debut author, you know, I'm not going to get a Pulitzer. I'm not going to get nominated for some or or recommended for some, you know, grand literary uh, prize. So I decided it was worth it to me to, you know, apply, apply to a few awards. So I did some research. I kind of looked into what awards you know, I, I thought my book would be a fit for. And so my book came out in May, 2023. And I would say uh, sometime around that time, I started applying to some awards and my publisher, I have a small publisher, they applied to, I think three or four. And so, you know, they're, they're kind of, I don't want to say rolling in, but over the past few months, I've, they've been starting to you know, uh, name winners and runners up and semi-finalists and all that type of thing. So, so yeah, I've, I've won a few different ones and, uh, it's, you know, to, to me, I've had as, again, as a debut, uh, writer, I've had 
friends and acquaintances kind of say to me, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't sure how good your book was going to be because I, I never was a writer until I had a story to tell. I wasn't, you know, people never thought of me as a writer. I never thought of myself as a writer. So to me, these awards, you, you know, in literary circles, they're not considered to have, let's say, literary merit, but they they say to a reader, yes, this book has been somewhat vetted it has gone through some type of comparison or competition and it came out with the recognition that it's worth checking it out so that's how i that's where i see the value is in, in these type of awards and also i think it's about valuing yourself karen because you know if you put yourself out there and say you know let's let's have a go i'm you know it, it sometimes that takes a lot i think because I think we're, I think, I mean, I'm looking at your face and I'm looking at my face and I think we're kind of of an age, you and I, and, yeah. uh, and I, and I think we were this generation of women that were, we were really raised to be quite self-effacing and, yeah. and, and, you know, to, we're, we're people pleasers, we're crowd pleasers, uh -huh. we, you know, we uh -huh. want to, we, you know, we don't want to show up or, right. you know, raise the flag for ourselves. We want to do it for other people, fair enough, right. but, but mm -hmm. it's actually quite hard to do it for yourself. So I think, um, as the world changes and as we um, stand here for other women, I think it's good to do that and say, you know, this is it. I'm good enough. I can I can do that. So yeah. good for you. Good for you. And congratulations yeah, on, on some wins and having some yeah. little, little stickers and things to put on it. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a piece of um, ego in this. And I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed about saying that. I did work very hard. It was a very difficult story to write. Mm -hmm. Yes. And well, that's what my I, friend found. She couldn't do it. Yeah, and she is a writer, yeah. you know, with, with three or four books traditionally published. And she, mm -hmm. she was, un, and she said, I'm going to write this. Um, I'm not going to name her because she might be embarrassed. Um, I'm yeah. going to write this. And she started to do it. And she said, you know, Deb, I can't actually, I can't actually do it. I feel mm -hmm. I want to, she said, I might do it perhaps when I'm older. Cause it's, it's not mm -hmm. long, long happened to her. Um, yeah. she's, young, she's younger than us. Um, and, um, she couldn't she couldn't do it so where did you find the the courage to do that courage Karen well you know for me so my my son was diagnosed perhaps with we, I was going to say perhaps we should just say what your sure. book is about because I know because I've looked into it but, but yeah tell, yes. tell the listeners what what yeah, your book idea. is yeah so, so um it it's kind of overall about uh this book is about um shattered expectations of motherhood and what I mean by that was myself, I think like many women, you know, I, I kind of had this expectation that motherhood would go a certain way. Not that it would be easy. I never expected that, but I just thought I would, I would kind of know what to do. Or I, I had certain expectations of what my children would be like and what our relationship would be like. And, and my son was, my son, Matthew, who was born in 1986 was, was difficult from the get-go. Um, but then we, by, by age five or so, you know, we, we kind of got into a groove. He was very bright, very energetic, very loving, but the, the energetic part is what really, you know, kind of wore me down. And then, then when he was eight, he started having these, these strange symptoms, starting with this eye rolling tick. And by the time he was 11, they had just, you know, magnet the, the ticks and, and all other type of behavioral and emotional and cognitive changes were, were happening. He was really deteriorating and he was finally um, diagnosed at age 11 with a benign quote unquote brain tumor. It was benign in the medical sense, but 
benign brain tumor is somewhat of a misnomer because, um, you know, he, he really had a long recovery and he's 37 now and doing well, but not without, you know, hiccups and, and bumps and that type of thing. So I, you know, a big part of my story is that as a people pleaser, I didn't know how to stand up for myself and what I believed was happening with my son, you know, much like your, your, uh, friend or your sister, I forget who you said. Yeah, both. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, there was this, you know, medical gaslighting is what they call it now, medical gaslighting going on where the doctors really weren't believing me. But my husband, who's a great guy, we're still married. Um, he also wasn't seeing what was going on, nor were my parents, nor were, you know, other friends and family. So there was this big element of of self-doubt. And I just didn't I was raised to be a people pleaser. I, I never learned to really kind of assert, assert myself and, you know, be somewhat forceful in what I was feeling. So it was, it was this intersection of people pleasing, or maybe I should say overlapping, that overlapping of people pleasing and medical gaslighting um, that made the story evolve as it did. Um, there were there, he was delayed, his diagnosis was delayed for three years. So from the beginning, I really, I identified my people pleasing as, as just so detrimental in his whole diagnosis and recovery. And I felt strongly that I wanted to tell that story because maybe it would save another mother mm -hmm. and child from going through what I went through. So I felt strongly about that. And I like I said, I hadn't been a writer, but I took some classes and I wrote for several years. I had about 300 pages done very, very poorly. I mean, really talk about a shitty first draft. I hope that's okay to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then life happened. I actually uh, needed to leave my job to support Matthew and <clears throat> getting through high school and, and into college, which, you know, he was able to do. So I put it aside for a long time. And then in 2016, for a number of reasons, I I had the opportunity to, to go back and I, you know, to, to finish it. And again, for me, I just felt so strongly that I needed to tell the people pleasing story. It wasn't so much about the brain tumor story, but I needed to tell my truth about what happened. And I, and for me, in some ways, I, I feel like I had it a little bit easier maybe than some other memoirists because I felt it was my life purpose to do this. And it was, it was somewhat how this all came about. I was, I had been working full time, you know, for many years and had some health issues and needed to, to leave work on medical leave. And I, and I felt that the universe was giving me this gift mm. and I just felt like this was my life purpose. So when it got really tough, when it got really emotional and kind of reliving all that trauma, I just felt like this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Mm. So yeah, and, and it, it felt important. Also, yeah, it felt important to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, really, really uh, crucial. I will say also, I had wonderful uh, writing friends, you know, just vir mostly virtual friends who were supporters and critique groups. And I did get myself into therapy. So 
you know, I, I knew that I needed to surround myself with that type of support in order to make this happen. Mm. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, th I think it's, it's um, I think these stories need to be told. I, th I think they help other women, but I, I think they help people that are in the, in the medical profession as well, because, you know, if they come across this stuff, I think they re they can realize, you know, that, that somebody, oh, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of this happens to women only I'm sure sometimes it happens to men as well but yeah. I think sometimes the woman's voice isn't always heard especially when you've got a child they they immediately label you as the fussy mother yeah and I and I think it's a really hard thing now I think it's a hard thing on on two counts because I was a teacher and when mm -hmm. I was when I was teaching um it wasn't a child in my class it was a child in the class next door um uh died of a brain tumor that hadn't been diagnosed oh. Oh which, which is um which I'm only saying you now and I know that your son is fine and stuff like that but yeah. you know I I don't know that family story terribly well but you you do think you know and he was he was a child with you know he he was he was lively he was he was hard to manage mm -hmm. you know at, at, you know if you had him in your class and things and sometimes yeah. I would teach both classes so I used to do like a drama thing for for the whole like all early years he and he was he must have been I don't know seven mm -hmm. which is just heartbreaking a little boy oh, yeah. you know yeah. and and it's you know and I think sometimes people go and they set, go to the doctors and say this that and the other and they don't they don't get heard you know right it's it's right. It's, it's a it's a frightening thing I think yeah and and it is much more often women than men yeah unfortunately you know it both you know as advocates for themselves as patients and when they have children. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very tricky, you know, women and mothers have to walk a fine line where they want to be heard. But if they push too much, they're, they're seen as, you know, histrionic or overprotective mm. or all those type of things. So it is very difficult. And I do hope that, you know, the message gets to medical providers, I do think I have a, a, a story where they can, you know, uh, listen to it or or read it and think to themselves how can they be better listeners to women yeah yeah it's yeah it's 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 a fascinating it's a fascinating topic really um I, and I think I I, mean, I hope it's getting better you know I hope as my daughters if they go on to choose to have a family themselves I hope they they are Although I look at my own daughters now and they're far more assertive than I ever was at their age. You know, they do, mm -hmm. they do big job, bigger jobs than I ever did. They, you know, they stand yeah. up for themselves. They, they don't, they don't take the back seat. They, they know who they are, you know, yeah. and, and I don't, and I hope that that's in some part due to my enabling thing, Well, but I think it's also yeah. a different world that they live in, you know, and I think, well, I think I that's good. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say good job, mama. <laughs> <laughs> In part, but also, yes, I do think there's much more an awareness of the need for women to find their voices and assert their voices. So I do think, you know, little by little, society is changing our expectations. Yeah. And I think we're sort of beginning to um, not be so shut up and put up like we were yeah i mean i yeah. i've just i've just written a book which is doing quite nicely um which is called the midwitch you might have seen it on my bits and pieces and um yes it's a funny book it's it's a funny uh -huh. book if you read it you laugh it's got a bit of sex in it it's quite funny but if you read between the lines it's it's actually about the menopause and women not putting up with feeling ill 
on and yeah. on and on and I'm yeah. just thinking oh yeah. I've just got I've just got to cope with this and, and being misinformed about that mm-hmm. situation which so many people so many older women are you know we were brought up it was called the change of life and it was whispered oh, yeah. behind curtains and nobody mentioned it when it when yeah. it hit when it hit me I hadn't got a clue you know and and I think that's the case for a lot of women of our age whereas mm-hmm. you know with my own daughters I've been very open about my my journey and mm-hmm. I and I've told them what it is and said, you know, as soon as you as soon as you start feeling funny, you go and yeah. I hope when they are older and mature women and they do start to feel not very well and all that kind of thing, I hope that they will go to the doctors to be listened to and not told right. to drink more water mm-hmm. because you're getting yeah. hot. One of those that was one of the things I was told. <laughs> and now yeah. I look back on it, it's absolutely crazy. You know, slightly different thing from, you know, less traumatic than what you've been through. But nevertheless something that you know we're all going to go through at some point and i hope that you know we we are beginning to come out of this dark phase Mm -hmm. where that phase of a woman's life is not mentioned you know it's not public knowledge men have no idea you know people are much more you know open about it men and women exactly willing willing to talk about it yeah, 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 and 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 I do think you know you mentioned something about you know not as traumatic uh, as what I went through, but I do think we learn those skills in kind of the less traumatic situations. So if if little girls learn to, you know, that it's okay to voice their emotions and it's okay to you know kind of have um, agency over their bodies and that type of things, and if they learn those things just as part of life then if they're in a situation that's emotional or traumatic, they're not learning for the first time. And and that was part of what happened with me where I, I did finally, uh, at the end of this three-year period where my son was just completely falling apart, you know, I, I did finally push the system enough to get him diagnosed. But then what happened, and I talk about this in my book, you know, wouldn't it be a really great story if this mom was kind of, you know, passive and and wishy-washy and, you know, her son got sick and she didn't know how to speak up. And then finally she spoke up and she got him diagnosed and, and she just be, you know, she was never again, that passive wishy-washy woman. Wouldn't that be a great story? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fiction though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That wasn't my story. And what happened was that once he was diagnosed, I didn't have to fight anymore. Yeah. You know, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. There was visible evidence that there was something in his brain that didn't belong there. So he received appropriate care and, and people did pay attention and people realized that my my fears were, you know, were actually real. Um, and so I kind of, you know, all too easily went back to my thank you so much if it's not too much trouble persona. Mm. And part of that was because, you know, I was now dealing with a kid that was recovering from a brain tumor. I didn't have the energy or the fortitude to maintain this, this change that was so new for me. I, I, I didn't have it in me, you know, and, and actually it wasn't a conscious choice, but if I thought about it, I would choose to, you know, be there for my son and, and be what he needed to be. And if I didn't have to be assertive because it wasn't as necessary, you know, I would have made that choice, but it took me, you know, my son had a 20 year recovery. And for me also, I I kind of needed that 
distance to look back on my story and in the process of writing it, I was really confronted with who I was and how I had let myself down and let my son down. And boy, was that a wake up moment, you know? So in many ways, you know, there was the the trauma of writing about his brain's tumor story, but then there was also kind of the trauma of confronting myself about my weaknesses and how I needed to grow, you know, and that's where the the title came from growth. It's a, it's many different mm. uh, applications of that word. Mm. And also I think uh, going into, going into authorship is uh, you, you know, you you can write a book and whether you're traditionally published or an indie author like myself uh, and, unless you get out there and push it nobody's going to know so so yeah. so in some ways that's actually quite a good thing because you have to go right this is me this is what I've done and I believe right. in it so therefore read it you know and and it takes quite a while because I think you you're um especially I know for myself when I the first few things that I published I I was a bit like almost not embarrassed about it but but mm. so blooming faith self-effacing that it's really yeah. you know they never really got anywhere because I couldn't really get up there and say you know this is it and you, and you begin to learn to shake your own tree I went on a course a day's mm -hmm. course was it a a um like a literary festival writers festival thing in, in mm -hmm. a local town and um and I looked through the thing and you like pick things you wanted to do through the day you know the sort of thing and, uh, and one of the things was called um, entrepreneurship for independent uh -huh. for independent authors or entrepreneurship entrepreneurship for writers or something like that. And mm -hmm. it was run by a very nice lady called Melissa Addy. So if you ever come across her, she's quite big in the indie author space and she's a really nice lady. And she did this workshop. But what struck me when I went into the workshop and I sat down and I looked around the room and there was I, I don't know, there was probably. 40 people 50 people in there I would say five of them were women interesting so men see themselves as entrepreneurial writers yeah. the women yeah. don't we're all embarrassed and like oh well you right. might like it you know what I mean? and right. I thought that's a very interesting point right there yeah. that we're all you know think that oh you know don't mind me <laughs> I've written right. the book right. and she was like never mind girls this is what we got to do and she was and I thought it was a very interesting thing that the men see this as a business and the, mm -hmm. and the women are like you know obviously not even signing up for that course I thought it was it was, it was fascinating yeah. yeah well I was fortunate I guess and and two things come to me one is that I was pretty sure that I was going to be a one book author so I knew you know I wasn't going to have another chance I guess or I I knew that this was it like this was the book I had to get it out and I remember early on reading about the importance of marketing and how, you know, I didn't know at the time, of course, I hope to get a big publisher, you know, like everyone else, but uh, I knew that, you know, debut authors frequently have to do their own marketing. So I started taking, you know, virtual classes very early on to, to learn about marketing. It was still a very steep learning curve, but um, I do feel that that part came easier to me than I suspected. And um, in fact, I actually have a webinar that I do now called The Basics of Book Self-Marketing because mm -hmm. I've, I've had enough um, success. I mean, it, how do you define success? It's not always just sales, but um, you know, I do have, the, because that part of it was, was 
like I said, surprisingly easier for me than I suspected because I do not have a background in marketing, never had any interest in business or anything like that. But, you know, but you're you're absolutely right that you've got to do that part of it. You've got to, you know, just uh, put yourself out there because otherwise no one will ever know. No one will ever know about that. But I think it's quite interesting because the more I've been in this space, and I've probably been doing this 20 years now, that mm-hmm. I, I've, I, I've, obviously I'm, I'm old and I've done it loud, but I feel that it, because I had to get going on it, it it's actually done me the world of good, which you probably feel as well, because you, mm-hmm. you begin to feel, you know, more confident and, and that yeah. you've got, you know, that, that kind of thing to do. Mm. So right. you think only one book then? Now, surely not. <laughs> I, I do. Do you not it's, feel to write uh, some fiction with all your life? Experience? Oh no, 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 no fiction. If I, if I were to write a second book, um, as, as part of this, you know, again, you talk about marketing and getting yourself out there. And I knew that people pleasing was kind of the thing that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted my brand to be recovering people pleasers. So before my book came out, you know, before I had a contract, I put together uh, a workshop that I called um, Wipe Your Feet Before You Walk All Over Me. (laughs) And it's kind of like, you know, a little bit about people pleasing and some steps that you can take, eight or 10 steps that you can take to overcome people pleasing. And, And then this was right before COVID hit. I actually did it live once. It went very well at a local community college. And then uh, it just didn't translate as well virtually. I did it a couple times, but the, uh, you know, the audience was much smaller. But if I were to write a second book, I think it might be a, a nonfiction, more of a self-help, but a funny kind of fun and light self-help mm. book. And that that workshop that I put together, I think, would translate very well to a book. Mm. Um, and I, you know, it's possibly it's possible I could do a book of essays, but. But all all nonfiction. I don't see myself writing mm. fiction. It's a great tagline. Wipe your feet before you walk all over me. Thank I, you. I yeah, really like that. I'm, I'm I'm there, and I think it's yeah, it, it's 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 really good. Um, and and not just for women. I think some some men get this as well, yeah. don't they? You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah interesting stuff. Now we have one other thing that we have in common. We have something sure. else in common. Really funny thing is uh, that you like a nap. So do I, actually. Oh, I love. Love naps. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, they're great. They're great. Yeah. A, a really good nap is just, yeah, worth living for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think a nap really sort of sets your sets your brain again. I get more done. I often find if I suddenly if I if I feel terribly tired, sometimes mm-hmm. I just oh, there's a like an old there's a like a box bed here next to me, uh-huh. um, which the dog lies on. And sometimes yeah. I look at the dog so comfortable because they sleep a lot with it. Sometimes yeah. I think, yeah. I'm just going to get in bed with you and I get under the blankets and yeah. I just have like a 15 minute and I feel quite renewed and clear headed for it rather than pressing on and drinking more coffee, which also happens. But Right, yeah. right. Yeah, and there are, there are some studies to show that naps are are actually, you know, there, there are health uh, benefits associated with naps. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I think it's sometimes. I think it's. I think the point of it is, it's sometimes it's quite de-stressing. Um, mm-hmm. I was always quite a good napper in the car when my children were younger, and I was running them from oh. place to place and all that kind yeah. of thing. Oh, I um, do too. Yeah, yeah. I just put the seat back, especially if I could get a bit of sun, because obviously it's not that yeah. hot in England. Mm-hmm. And get you know, just have a little, put my head back, you know, and, yeah. I, and I could just 
switch off for five minutes. I think it's it's quite good to be able to do that. Yes, perhaps there's another book in there about the quality quality oh, nap, quality napping and how to do it anyway. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So you're published with a small press, Karen. Yeah. Do, did you, how did you find that experience? Did did you have much say in your book cover and that kind of thing? Or yes, it, more so than I probably would have had with a with a larger publisher. So you know, I started out. Um, and so my my small press takes unagented manuscripts, but I, you know, I started out going the whole agent route. So I studied up on querying and I went through many, many, many versions of my query letter. And um, I had decided I was going to query 100 agents because I've read that people easily 100, 200, you know, that's sometimes what it what it takes. And so my plan was to do to query 100 agents. And if I didn't have a deal either do small press or self-published. You know, I didn't, I hadn't known at the time, I didn't know at the time what plan B was going to be. So I got to about um, 85 agents and I had two requests for fulls and then basically got ghosted. So I took that as a no and, you know, a little, a little positive feedback, but a lot of either nothing, you know, crickets or, yeah. or you know, rejection letters. And so um, in the meanwhile, you know, I had started researching small presses and again, looking for presses that accepted memoir and had, you know, books already out that were similar to mine. And um, yeah, and I think I queried maybe five small presses and got a reply fairly quickly from one. It's a university press, Loyola University, Maryland mm -hmm. uh, press. It's called Apprentice House Press. And uh you know, so of course it it took uh, let's see, not quite a year and a half to go through all the editing process and book cover design and that type of thing. I I was assigned a wonderful designer. I'm very very happy with my cover, and uh, you know, get everything ready to come out in in May 2023. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I think it does take a long time. I mean, I'm I'm in the process of editing at the moment, and mm -hmm. and and I'm I'm weeks off finishing this you know and I've got my cover ready all the drawings are ready um, but I'm, I, I know I'm still weeks off doing it you know because yeah. it, it's it's incredibly time consuming and I and I think the trouble with it is the the writing of it is actually the easy part it's getting it perfect is the hard part mm -hmm. or as perfect yeah. as you could imagine right to get right. it yeah yeah it's um yeah it's and I and I did you know as I, I'm sure many people did do I did pay for editors along the way so I didn't um you know, I don't think it would have been good enough to be accepted if I didn't have some editors and I have some really, really wonderful, talented critique partners. And we're, you know, we've been really good for each other. So, you know, I credit, I, I really had a lot of help to get it to that point and then even help to get it to the final point. Hmm. But also that's why you must write the next thing, Karen, because <laughs> because now you have a knowledge base behind you and you can't waste that. You can't, yeah, you can't waste well, it. Yeah, well, I... Yeah, I thank you. I I have thought about that, and um, yeah, I just have to decide. I mean, the other thing, you know, so I'm 65 now, and my younger son, Stephen, in the book, um, just got married in September, and you know, it's possible that I'll have a grandbaby sometime in the next couple of years, and I just I I want to, you know, I don't want to tie myself too much up with the the grueling process of writing a book. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. 
I mean, I'm, I'm open to the possibility. That's one of my mantras that I use all the time. But uh, I think I very well may be a one book author. <laughs> but if you're comfortable with that, that's fine as well. But don't yeah. waste your don't yeah. waste your knowledge. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I'll still I'll still write essays and I'll share this. So yeah, um, one of my goals is to get a Pushcart Prize nomination, mm-hmm. and uh, I you know it's not going to be easy. I have some work to do on my skill to get to that point, but, and it may not be this year because this year I'm really focused on uh, putting out, recording my audio book. I just started that process. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think, you know, my goal is to get a push cart nomination and, and then I'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And and there's always other challenges, even just with the, even if you just keep it to the one book, there's other challenges with it. You know, like you say, you're doing the, doing the audio and you, you bring mm-hmm. it out to other audiences. You could have it translated. You know, you can go online, yeah. can't you? Anyway, yeah. we're nearly out of time, Karen. I'm really, really glad we managed to get together. And we, I'm too. We yeah. can write a little book on how we've come across. Exactly. Fourth time is a charm, so. right? Yeah, just one of those things. And sometimes that's how it is with the podcast. Sometimes it's, yeah. you know, people are busy, things happen, stuff goes wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes it's my end, sometimes it's the other person's end. And but eventually, I, I, you know, I'm always open to having another date, and and then eventually, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll come together. Well, so I, yeah, I'm glad I it did because yeah. I know yeah. at least a couple of the times we're on my end. So yeah, yeah well, so it's just it end, is so I, it is what it is. It's fine. I anyway, where it. can people find you, Karen, online and your book? Yeah, well, my my website is www.karendebonis.com. It's K-A-R-E-N-D as in David, E, B as in boy, O-N-I-S.com. And um, most social media, I'm some version of karendebonis.com or, or Karen Debonis, I'm sorry. And on my website, I have purchase links to bookshop.org and Barnes and Noble and Amazon and uh you know, a lot of information on my website about my people pleasing journey and some backstory, um, my, my press kit, you know, if anyone's listening, who's a a media person. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff links to my, my essays and that type of thing. So that's the best place to. And I'll put all that in the, in the show notes, but uh, I appreciate that. Brilliant. Anyway, thank you for coming on the Words of Pictures podcast. Thank you so much, DJ. Great. Oh, now that was such a fascinating chat. And uh, I think you sort of heard us have a quick chat at the end there. We had quite a lot of trouble actually getting together, what with one thing and another. And I think we had about four dates that we couldn't make. We we went backwards and forwards, but we stuck with it. And I'm really glad we got together and had that chat. Um, I I see um, Karen online a fair bit. And I just thought her book was such an interesting thing and, and a story that needed to be told. And interesting also to talk to you know, another memoir uh, writer, just interesting stuff. Because I think people that write memoirs, you're really putting yourself on the line. And I think it's a very brave thing to do. So, yeah, great stuff. Anyway, so that's it from me. Um, as usual, you can find anything that we've talked about, including links to Karen, Karen DeBonnet, uh And uh, who did we mention? Uh, Melissa Addy. You'll find her in the show notes as well. And uh, you can find show notes on my website, which is www.djbowmansmith.com. And uh, also you'll find it on the Podbean app. There's all the notes are on there and all the links that you need to get. And uh, that's it. Right. Well, it's been a, a strange week for me. We've been I've been really 
busy and uh, also we've had a bit of a technical hitch with the podcast. For those of you that listen regularly, you might have noticed the previous two episodes went out and then decided they wouldn't work anymore. And I don't really know what it was. But anyway, Podbean, the host site, were really helpful. And I got in touch with them and they were able to sort of do some troubleshooting and tell me some stuff that I needed to do. And uh, so I reloaded those two episodes. So if you tried to listen to the, the two previous episodes, which I think uh, uh, was 79 and um, 78, <laughs> I'm not very good at maths. Uh, uh, the, there was a solo podcast of me talking about being an indie author and, uh, and then another podcast with Angela M. Herrick. Uh, so if you tried to get those and they didn't work, I, you, I think you'll find they do work now and they're all up there. And uh, so what I did was I kind of didn't put one out last week. So I was still trying to sort it out. And I kind of ran um, uh, the Angela M. Herrick's podcast again on that following Monday. So but they're all there, all all working now. So happy days. Right. So that's my um, that's my week. I hope you have a great week, whatever you're doing. And uh, until next time. Uh, I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and uh, you can find me at www.djbowmansmith.com and as a uh, children's author at www.tigermolly.com. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>